politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight alone for our liberties. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back in the house today. It is Tuesday, and there's a lot going on today. Today we're going to take it solo. No guests today, but we will have special guests coming out up throughout the week. Guests that really haven't been on any other shows before. So uh, we're going to have a really exciting next couple of days. Um, But today, there's just too much, uh, I got to clear from the docket, too much info to give over to you. But what I'm wondering is how much information needs to penetrate these thick skulls of Republicans in order for them to finally fight. Okay, we're going to start off today with really the most infamous audio going around. I'm sure a lot of you heard it, but just to make sure, I'm going to play this. Albert Burla, the Pfizer CEO, with a stunning admission. And we know that um, the three, the two doses of the vaccine offer very limited protection, if any. The three doses with a the booster, they offer reasonable protection against hospitalization and deaths. Uh, uh, in, in, against deaths, I think, very good. Um, and less protection against uh, infection. Now... We are working on a, on a new version of our vaccine, the 1.1, let me put it that way, that uh, will cover Omicron as well. And, uh, of course, uh, we are waiting to, to have the final results. The vaccine will be ready in March. Okay, there you have it. It doesn't really work much, if at all, the two shots. Okay, now he's on to three. Sure, we're going to trust him that three works after two failed to work. This is what got me banned from Twitter. What got me banned from Twitter a few days ago is what the Pfizer CEO admits. So we now know that everything was a lie. Outdoor transmission was a lie. Masks were a lie. Lockdowns, all lies. The, the shots, a lie. We made law, life-altering changes to people's bodies. God knows the side effects um, that are taking place, and we're going to discuss that later this week. The lives disrupted, the physical health, the mental health. Then we have the blocking of treatment, all of this for a lie. And yet you look at the Republican legislatures. Are they really changing the game at all? I don't see any sign of it. I don't see any sign of it. So what the news in totality the last couple of days demonstrates is that everything they did was all built on a lie. It's all the exact opposite of what we should be doing at any given time. Really, the variant is extremely mild, and it's not a problem. And the few people that do have a problem, you actually treat them. Instead, they see COVID where it doesn't exist, test like a bunch of hyenas, And then the few cases still where people actually do need treatment, they block it. But we're, as always, we're going to bring the receipts, the evidence that demonstrates everything they are doing is making things worse. If If you take a look at the evidence now that we have, it is clear that everything they have done has made this worse. Because guess what? It turns out the same people likely created the virus. So if they created it, well, why would they want to properly deal with it? Okay? But unfortunately, most of this information is still not going to get out to your average person. Now, I want to get to uh, Project Veritas. Unbelievable documents released that illuminates every single fact of the last two years. Every single thing we said turns out to be true. Uh, First, today's sponsor, Birch Gold. Um, Boy, you cannot trust our funny monopoly money anymore. Uh, Inflation's at a 40-year high. Inflation rates are higher than the interest rates on treasury bonds, which is why the government uh, loves debt so much, right? The government owes less on its mountains of debt now. Imagine if your mortgage had negative interest rates kind of like negative efficacy of the shots. So your pain is their gain. 
Protect your savings now. Hedge against inflation with gold from Birch Gold because the government is sabotaging the value of the dollar. Um, the thing about Birch Gold is they'll help you convert your eligible IRA or 401k into an IRA backed uh, by real gold. And, you know, there's a lot of gold companies out there, but Birch really is the one with the A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. They've been around for a very long time, thousands of customer reviews. Text Daniel to the number 989898 now to get a no-cost, no-obligation info kit. It's a 20-page guide. Reveals how gold and silver can protect your savings. Uh, place them under an umbrella of a tax-sheltered account. So go now, Daniel. Text Daniel to 989898. All right, so let's get into this first thing today. Um, Project Veritas, this is so important, and they're doing terrific, terrific work. One of the few organizations out there uh, worthy of, uh, of donations, in my view. <clears throat> Here we go, Major Joseph Murphy. Murphy. He wrote a memo to on the DARPA letterhead. Okay, this is the DOD's um, umbrella organization that is in charge of any kind of biological warfare type of investigation. And they have uncovered this document written August 13th, 2021. So we now have a document in our hands from a few months ago with the DARPA letterhead by Major Murphy. Okay. Um, written to the Inspector General of DOD. And it carries the subject line, SARS-CoV-2 Origins Investigation with U.S. Government Program Undisclosed Document Analysis. Now, it's not like there's anything really that new in here that people like you and I didn't know. But it's the fact that all of the ingredients are laid out in one memo. And it becomes clear that, that this guy, uh, Major Murphy, believes that SARS-CoV-2 resulted from the 2018 EcoHealth Alliance Peter Daszak uh, research grant that DARPA denied, but NIAID, which was Fauci's organization, went ahead and, and they did this anyway. They just went ahead and did it. So in other words, the man that is responsible for creating policies that is landing Americans without jobs, often in jail... He is the one who belongs in jail. This is from the memo again. SARS-CoV-2 is an American-created recombinant bat vaccine or its precursor virus. It was created by an EcoHealth Alliance program at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, as suggested by the reporting surrounding the lab leak hypothesis. The, the details of this program have been concealed since the pandemic began. These details can be found in the Eco. Health Alliance proposal response to DARPA, and he cites the memo. The contents of the proposed program are extremely detailed. Peter Daszak lays out step-by-step step what the organization intends to do uh, by phase and by location. The primary scientists involved, their roles, their institutions are indicated. The funding plan for the WIV, right, one institute work in its own document, the reasons why non-pharmaceutical -pharm interventions like masks and medical countermeasures like the mRNA vaccines do not work well can be extrapolated from the details, the reasons why the early treatment protocols work as curative are apparent. Um, it's truly unbelievable. He believes that SARS-CoV-2 emerged likely as a precursor, deliberately virulent, humanized recombinant SARS-CoV-2 that was to be reverse-engineered into a live, attenuated SARS-CoV-2 bat vaccine. I mean, th this is, it's, it's an unbelievably earth-shattering document. Again, your average drone is never going to hear from it. DARPA rejected the proposal because the work was too close to violating the gain-of-function moratorium, despite what Peter Daszak says in the proposal. As is known, Dr. Fauci with NIAID did not reject the proposal. The work took place at the WIV and at several sites in the U.S., identified in detail in the proposal. Okay? So, um, there you go. Um, and, and another very interesting thing here 
It leaked and spread rapidly because it was aerosolized, so it could efficiently infect bats in caves, but it was not ready to infect bats yet, which is why it does not appear to infect bats. The reason the disease is so confusing is because it is less a virus than it is engineered spike proteins hitchhiking a ride on a SARS-CoV-2 quasi-species swarm. The closer it is to the final live attenuated vaccine form, the more likely that it has been de-attenuated since initial escape in August 2019. Um, That's the date they think it escaped. There's a lot more behind that, but the point is, this is why it behaves so aggressively. Um, It was engineered, obviously, a synthetic spike protein to attach to human ACE2 receptors and insert it into recombinant bat uh, SARS-CoV-2 backbone. Um, And again, I mean, anyone who understands the pathophysiologist pathophysiology of this understands why it was so problematic and why it killed so many people. Just realize that we are now in a situation where the vaccine uses this same spike protein. Gee, very interesting. Very, very, very interesting. The vaccine recipient has no defense against the bloodstream entry, but their nose protects them from the recombinant spike protein causes species. Let's see what else we have here. There's an unbelievable line in here from this memo. Ivermectin works throughout all phases of illness because it both inhibits viral replication and modulates the immune responses. Of note, chloroquine phosphate is identified in the proposal as a SARS-CoV inhibitor, as is interferon. So here we go. We now have a government document admitting that ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine worked. Those two things worked, and they know it works, and they blocked it. Could you imagine how many Americans have died because they held that information? Boy, I mean, if you were able to FOIA everything, the amount of information we would get is unbelievable. We have a criminal government. There is no way around, there is no way around these observations. They also note in the, um, in the thing that the vaccines don't work. So uh, vaccines don't work. Ivermectin does work. It was created by Peter Daszak because Fauci greenlit that research. And yet, not a single Republican state is stepping up and saying, we need to put a moratorium on all of the COVID policies. This is straight up there. Okay, if you go to Project Veritas' website, you could read the memo. Um, Straight up there. So everything we're saying, they admit. And again, Burla admits it too. The vaccine doesn't work, which is why if you do any analysis, there's one analysis of 145 countries, you do not see any positive correlation with better death rates and case rates based on high vaccination rates. And in fact, you see a reverse correlation And again, this is why this is so dangerous. The virus is a bioweapon, and the vaccine is a bioweapon. Those are the two most important things you need to understand. Two most important things you need to understand. So again, anyone who tells you that, oh, you know, it's a conspiracy theory, this and that, we now have a document written to the DOD Inspector General with the DARPA letterhead on it, vouching for pretty much everything we've been saying. And now I'm the one who's off of Twitter and silenced as a result of it. By the way, I'm still trying to figure out where to land myself, but you could follow me on Getter for now. Um, I'm trying to post a little bit there. Daniel underscore Horowitz. Um... I'm also going to try to do some videos at Rumble. It's a CR podcast there as well, and certainly, obviously, share this show everywhere you know. Now, 
one of the interesting things that's going on here is notice how America always has to be different. Always has to be different. So we'll hear throughout the country, throughout I mean throughout the world, that Omicron is so much more uh my so much milder. Barely anyone's going to the hospital, even the ones that are don't need oxygenation. Even seniors aren't getting that sick from it. And then suddenly we come to America and they're like, no, the hospitals are full. Even children are getting sick with it. Like, what? Come on. What, somehow we're different than everyone else? And based on that, where I live, they're putting on new emergencies, new mask orders, new this, new that. And it turns out the whole thing is a lie. This is the ultimate have you killed and have you inherited. They inherit based on their killing. They fired doctors and nurses, so they created a staff shortage. Then they test like a bunch of hyenas for a cold, so they quarantine everyone. So they have even less staff. Then they test every patient that comes in, and like testing in the winter for a rhinovirus, you'll have 10% or so at any given time in the hospital have it, but then they don't treat it like a cold. They treat it like the bubonic plague now, so you have a logistical quarantine nightmare situation in the hospital. And then the few people that, of course, still are on ventilators and need help, they block treatment. What's going on is a vicious cycle of fear and lies that in itself is the pandemic. It's unbelievable. It reminds me of Leviticus 26.36. And those of you who survive, I will bring fear in their hearts in the lands of their enemies. And the sound of a rustling leaf will pursue them. They will flee as one flees the sword. And they will fall, but there will be no pursuer. So we're chasing our tails. We're fleeing ourselves. The pandemic is in itself. The stress and strain on the hospitals is coming from the response to the virus, not the virus. Surprisingly, the media is now reporting on this. I'm shocked. I still don't get what the game is. What do you guys think? Like, why would the media finally admit this? But this is from uh, San Francisco Chronicle. Dr. Jean Noble, she basically is the head of the COVID, you know, task force in the emergency medicine. She's an assistant professor of emergency medicine at University of California, San Francisco. I have not intubated a single COVID patient during this Omicron surge. Not a single patient. We have a total of five patients with COVID on ventilators across our four hospitals with COVID. An average of 1.25 intubated COVID patients per hospital is a good news story. And basically, she goes on to admit that 70% of all the patients, she went through all the records, 70% were uh, admitted for other reasons but got ensnared into the universal testing Quote, the real COVID crisis that our hospitals are facing is a severe staffing shortage that is compromising the quality of our care. And then even the remaining ones, she says, um, you know, like the other 30%, quote, there's no need for medical care in our quickly discharged home with reassurance. So a lot of that is the fear of patients coming in when they're not in respiratory distress. But of course, they're not getting outpatient treatment. Now, the funny thing is if you read these articles, what they'll do is they'll credit high vaccination rates for not having a problem. So it's a problem, and that's why we have to declare an emergency, but then they say it's not really a problem because they're not really there for COVID, and that is, in their mind, because of the high vaccination rate. The problem is, as Steve Day says, Omicron is forever going to be a control group because it started where? In South Africa. Okay. Now, in South Africa, they have a very low vaccination rate, and they didn't have a problem. So if anything, it's even worse when you are vaccinated. So they can never hide from that fact. We have that control group right here. You can't say, oh, oh, the vaccine is working. Similar story in L.A., further south. L.A. Times says that uh, two-thirds of those that are there with COVID are for other reasons. Um. So that's what we're doing. We're actually creating an artificial problem. Fox 5 reports that in San Diego, pediatric hospitalizations are on the rise, but not from COVID. The kids are doing okay with the Omicron variant, Dr. Uh, John Bradley said. 
COVID isn't the problem. He's the director of uh, infectious diseases at uh, Rady Children's Hospital. It's all the other viruses we're seeing every year, like RSV, and we're beginning to see influenza. But there's no kids admitted to the hospital, COVID pneumonia, period. Okay? By the way, it's interesting. Yeah, you know, we actually have kids in the hospital with the flu and RSV. Like, we, we've lived our whole lives that way. And yet, we destroyed their lives over a virus that was actually less, causing less hospitalization than those ailments. New Jersey, this is from nor- North, northernnewjersey.com. Just 49% of the COVID hospital numbers are there primarily because of the COVID diagnosis. And even that is probably very, uh, um, very iffy, primarily because of COVID. In other words, most of them are not in respiratory distress. Just 27 out of the 82 children that they say are there with COVID are there as that as a primary diagnosis. Phil Kirpin has done great work on this. He's gone into the HHS, HHS data on total hospitalizations. Okay? This is very important. Total hospitalizations. HHS has been tracking that. So we're told that there's been a surge in the hospitals the last month because of Omicron. Do you, do you want to know the truth? He has the total numbers. A month ago, there were 588,000, sorry, 596,000 in the hospital. Now there's about 588. There's about 8,000 fewer people in the hospital than a month ago. But there's 74,000 more COVID cases. What does that tell you? That the entirety of this is a lie. It's testing. It's an accounting gimmick. It's counting a cold as a pandemic. You know, I still kind of feel under the weather. I had influenza A. Um, you know, I never had it really bad because I think, you know, all the stuff I was taking, vitamin D, but it's just kind of lingering a little bit. The flu is worse than what anyone is getting Omicron. Now, again, you know, I, I still think we need to take it seriously because it is a bioweapon and we're not 100% sure where Delta is and is not circulating. But for Omicron itself, which is what they're using to shut down their lives, it, it is literally made up. It is less than the typical seasonal things driving hospitalizations, and that's proven in the data. So there's no shred of legitimacy to anything our government's doing, even if you believe they have the legal authority to do it, which, of course, they don't. Jacobson, Jacobson, oh, they could force something on you. Yeah, but that's only if it's a very deadly virus like smallpox, and it's and it works. This is not deadly, this version. And the vaccine doesn't work. The CEO of, of Pfizer said so. This is unbelievable. And yet all these Republican governors are continuing to push... The shots. You listen to to Kevin McCarthy. Okay, Kevin McCarthy. The GOP leader. He's going to be a speaker if Republicans take back the House. He's promising an agenda and you listen to it and it's like, huh? Do you know what time it is? Do you know what time it is? Helping people start a business. I don't know what he's talking about. It's like the Fourth Reich never existed. The war on treatment, the war on access to treatment, the war on doctors prescribing, the bioweapon, promising to get to the bottom of that. Ending all mandates, private and public. Adopting an agenda as as the lead Republican to encourage states to put on their ballots initiatives to amend the Constitution Creating a bodily autonomy right. Where Where is this? Where is this agenda? But sadly, it's not going to happen on its own. Now again, the next couple of weeks are going to be critical when the state legislatures are considering legislation. If you want to join one of our strike force teams, go to conaction.network. Particularly, I need leaders, uh, strike force team leaders. We need in uh, states like Tennessee, Mississippi, Arkansas, South Dakota. By the way, we do have um, 
someone is going to introduce in Idaho our constitutional amendment to bodily integrity to see if we can get that on the ballot. Where is this agenda? Where's the agenda from conservative talk radio? Again, the term conservative has become meaningless. By the way, the Biden administration announced they're forcing insurance companies to go ahead and cover more testing. <laughs> so we're now, you first of all, it's just the fact that we're using insurance to pay for something that's like 10, 15 bucks. I mean, it's just insane to begin with. But think about it. Think about the profundity of this dichotomy. We're using insurance to cover testing for asymptomatic people, but not treatment for those who badly need it. Ivermectin should have been pennies on the dollar. It's off patent. It could have been produced enough for every American to have a lifetime supply. Instead, they made it scarce with their war on it and artificially inflated the price. Insurance is not covering it. Because, again, it's all about detecting to control, not to treat. They're obsessed with COVID, except in the one place that it matters, to actually give people treatment. But again, are you seeing a change in the attitude of, the, of Republicans? I'm not. I'm saying now is easy. You have the facts, the data, the documents of Pfizer's own statement on your side. We did the heavy lifting the last two years. Republicans could ride in and, 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 and reap the benefits of all our work. But they still won't do it. They still won't do it. Truly, truly unbelievable. Now, I must admit, it is distracting uh, trying to do the show and watch this crazy hearing now. Um, you have the Senate hearing with Walensky and Fauci. And Walensky sitting there with a two, what appears to be two masks on her face, clearly demonstrating that her vaccine doesn't work. I mean, it is unbelievable how the courts are this bankrupt. This bankrupt, it, it literally doesn't matter. Okay, the whole thing is false advertising. By the way, to this day, Comirnaty, the FDA official label for the vaccine, says it prevents SARS-CoV-2. Um, it has the same language as a fully sterilizing vaccine. If you look up the DTaP or MMR, so, uh, I mean, it's just a lie. Everything they're saying is a lie, and then they accuse us of, of lying. Now, one of the interesting things that are hard, it's hard to tell, but we've had whistleblowers in hospitals. One th reason perhaps children might be in the hospital a little bit more than normal is because of the shots. And then not only do they injure them, but they don't work, so they get COVID, and then they test them. Oh, and that's a COVID case. Have you killed and have you inherited? In September, Public Health Scotland announced they, they had a warning sign that 21 newborns had died that month, in one month, which is a lot for a small place like Scotland. It triggered an investigation because they have what's called an upper control limit that, you know, if it breaches that, then they have to look into it. Hey, like, what's going on? It was the first time that limit was breached in four years, but it was the most since the 1980s. In other words... Typically, it's if you look, it's like a, a stock ticker, you know, like the um, the line chart of neonatal deaths in Scotland will be one up, one down. And that probably has to do with accounting. So it's one up, one down. And there's a baseline, right? There's an average. The average is, I think, 2.2 uh, deaths, neonatal deaths per thousand. And typically, it's, you know, one month up. Above the baseline, one month below it. Yet, surprisingly, following March, very interesting, this year, every month, was it was at the baseline or above, at or above, rather than averaging out above and below to the baseline. And then in September, which is about when you would expect a surge in this stuff if you're going to have maternal-fetal issues, well... It went to 4.9 per thousand. Okay, so more than double. It was the highest level since the late 1980s. Now, 
people understand when it comes to infant mortality, now this is more specifically neonatal mortality. It's a little different, but the same principle. The the incidence has gone down, 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 down. Okay, that's one thing in any first world country. As time goes on, we have more early detection and with the sonograms and different ways of you know dealing with things. You know, for example, you have a lot of kids that are born with um, heart stuff. They go into cardiac arrest um, the minute they're born. So nowadays, there's there's a lot more of a likelihood you're going to detect that and prepare for it early on, among many other reasons. Okay. So they were very perturbed by this. And interestingly enough, the entirety of their investigation, the preliminary results were concluded in December. Um, the entirety of, of it was around COVID. That maybe COVID is causing this, but then they ruled it out. No, it can't be because of COVID. Now, obviously, this is this is insane. Why would COVID cause this? Okay? Um, you know, kids aren't at risk for COVID. And also, why would we have it more this year, the second year of the pandemic, than the first year of the pandemic, right, if it's COVID causing it? And then again, why are you only finding excess mortality to that rate among neonatal, the least likely to be affected by COVID, um, you, you have the excess mortality more there than any other group. So clearly it wasn't going on there. But they will never, ever, ever explore the possibility that maybe, just maybe, it's your shots that are causing this. But here's the thing. They're never going to find, find it in them to properly investigate this. Here's what we know as a baseline. Okay. We know that there's 21,000 various deaths over a million adverse events, tens of thousands of reproductive-related incidents. And we know for the first time ever, pregnant women have been in mass given something that was not studied in them. So, man, you, you'd think we might want to look at that. The timing is suspicious. Obviously, you have the biodistribution report of Pfizer's uh, pharma, pharmacokinetic preclinical animal study submitted to the Japanese government that found that the lipid nanoparticles of the vaccine were accumulating in the ovaries in significant numbers, more than in any other place except for the spleen. Well, we know lipid nanoparticles are very pro-inflammatory. There's numerous studies on that predating the mRNA vaccines. And by the way, this is something that I think we're going to find in the future. We focused a lot on the spike protein just because it's more obvious it's pathogenic, but the lipid nanoparticles are a huge, huge problem when it comes to, you know, when it comes to like the heart conditions, the blood clotting, that's clearly the spike doing it. But all these other sundry random disorders, that's really from the toxicity and the general inflammation from these lipid nanoparticles. We know that this shot has caused menstrual irregularities. Like I've been saying, NPR reports, University of Chicago survey, they sought to recruit 500 women with uh, menstrual irregularities to see what's going on, to do a study. And instead, they got 140,000 submissions. So by the way, just important to note, theirs lists about 20,000 menstrual irregularities. And just in one solicitation of one University of Chicago study, they got 140,000 people. So it just, again, demonstrates that as appalling as the various numbers are, everyone knows that they're underreported. Pull anyone in your life that has experienced likely death and injury in the family from this. How many of them had a VARES entry? And you'll find almost nobody. So the fact that we have this many VARES entries is insane. Let's not forget George Washington University in St. Louis. They found 42% of women in their survey experienced heavier bleeding, while only 44% reported no changes. A whopping 66% of postmenopausal women experienced breakthrough bleeding. Okay? So, that's a huge safety signal. You mean to tell me that doesn't affect fetuses? And what does Vera say? As of December 31st, there were 3,511 miscarriages reported to theirs. That's a lot because remember, whatever underreporting ratio you're going to have of like heart attack, strokes, this and that, it's going to be even greater for miscarriages because it's very indirect. It's an extra step over. It's very hard to trace it back. So the fact that you have 3511 in there and 
No one's no one's even batting an eyelash. It just doesn't matter. Nothing matters anymore. Now you look at the chart. Do you know when the entries for miscarriages peaked? August, September in the United States. So gee, maybe the Scotland data, September, maybe it has something to do. The neonatal deaths just has something to do with the shots. Okay? Um, as James Thorpe told me, you know, Dr. James Thorpe, he is an OBGYN, maternal fetal medicine specialist. The lipid nanoparticles easily pass through all the natural barriers that God created in the human body. LNPs are extremely small spherical particles with an outer uh, fat soluble membrane containing the mRNA cargo. There may be billions of LNPs in the COVID-19 jab that do not remain in the deltoid muscle. They are readily dispersed throughout all body tissue easily pass through the maternal blood-brain barrier, the placental barrier, and the fetal blood-brain barrier. And for those of you who heard Dr. Thorpe last week, the point he made is that, you know, whereas with men, men, um, you know, continuously produce more sperm, so, you know, you could have new sperm that cycles in that wasn't exposed to the toxicity of the LMPs. <laughs> whereas with women, whatever you got there, you got there. It's about... I think he said about a million eggs, maybe. Um, it's a finite number, um, which is why it's just so much, you know, reproductive issues are so much more sensitive for women. Um, every single one is exposed to the LMPs for life. And again, for those of you who haven't seen his data, those of you who haven't seen his data, the pregnancy loss per month, pregnancy loss per month, of COVID vaccines administered, 273.7 per month. All other vaccines put together, if you look at the entries, it's 5.4. That's a, a factor of 50. Okay, a factor of 50. And that includes the flu vaccines, pertussis. And don't tell me, well, Daniel, you know, you know, uh, Daniel, don't tell me that. Because the denominator is much bigger. We have so many more COVID vaccines. It's a, it's a massive uh, campaign. No, it's not true. While appallingly too many pregnant women got the COVID shots, a lot didn't get the shots. By the way, in Scotland, they refused to um, release the data as to how many of those you know, 21 women that had neonatal deaths, how many were vaccinated. <laughs> I'm sure they all were. But but in general, especially in America, maybe you know it's kind of 50-50 or whatever it is, um, a lot still don't get it. When you're talking about pertussis and the flu, it's almost universal, except for those that really are anti-vax and they don't get it. They shove it on all of them. So if anything, there's a greater – if you take a pool of pregnant women per year, each year, how many COVID shots are being administered per month to pregnant women – we don't have this data, but it's obvious versus how many pertussis and influenza shots. Um, the latter is obviously a lot more of a um, – there's a lot more of them. And you're seeing the rate for influenza pregnancy loss is one per month. Pertussis is 0 0.04 per month reported. This is 273. Okay, what about fetal malformations? 72.5 per month. In theirs for COVID, 0.5 for all other shots. And yet, folks, in Scotland, I'm not kidding you, this is not a joke, the Glasgow Royal Fertility Clinic, one of the top fertility clinics in Scotland, announced they will not service any women who don't get the shot. You can't make this stuff up. Hey, if unless you get the shot and destroy your fertility, we're not going to work with you for fertility. It is it is biblical what is going on here. But again, that is with the Scottish data. We're going to be watching this like a hawk, the reproductive issues. Um, it is worse than they're making it out to be. And God, God save us. I just I just don't understand how anyone and, and again, knowing that it no longer works if it ever did, how anyone could shove that on pregnant women. Yet most OBGs I know, I've heard about, they they will refuse to see you as a patient if you don't get it. That's how disgusting this is.
Do you understand what I mean? This is civilization. I can't get excited about other issues when this is going on. I can't get excited about other issues. And by the way, I haven't had time to pour through this, but if you guys want, um, there's a new study. The title is Onset Autoimmune Phenomenon After COVID Vaccination. It's posted on Wiley Online Library. It is published somewhere. I'm forgetting which journal. And they basically go through autoimmune problems, and this is going to be long-term. And it's amazing. They actually have to apologize for trying to warn people about the shots. They apologize for even studying the autoimmune diseases. Shouldn't we welcome this? But in order to get it published, you have to apologize. They preface it by... um, so basically, the the study, they go through a bunch of different categories and they find not just instances or incidents and VARES and whatever, but they explain the pathophysiology of it. Vaccine-induced thrombotic thrombocytopenia, immune thrombocytopenia purpura, autoimmune liver diseases, Guillain-Barre, IgA, um, nephropathy, Inflammatory arthritis and Graves' disease. All safety signals for those, each one of those issues <clears throat> when it comes to the COVID shots. Yet, they have to, this is the funniest thing. When do you ever write this in a study? They're like, whether the association between COVID-19 vaccine and autoimmune manifestations is coincidental or causal remains to be elucidated. Here we summarize the emerging evidence about autoimmune manifestations occurring in response to COVID-19 vaccines. Although information pertaining to the risk of autoimmune disease as a consequence of vaccination is controversial, we merely propose our current understanding of autoimmune manifestations associated with COVID-19 vaccine. We just propose it. In fact, we do not aim to disavow the overwhelming benefits of mass COVID-19 vaccination. Who who does that? If you cannot tell that there's a problem going on here, you're blind. You're never allowed to put that in a study, put in extraneous talking points that have nothing to do with what you're proving from your, your data. But they always have to apologize for doing this. But it's out there in plain sight. Whoa. You know, it's not like you can get another civilization if you place toxicity in, in every. And, and again, it, you know, a lot of people forget. They focus on the pregnancy, and it, it's way too high the number of people getting it while they're pregnant. But forget about the pregnant. What about all the people? Not a, I was going to say childbearing age, but no. I mean, from the time any female from five years old to 40. A child female. Remember, the eggs that she's born with, those eggs are the eggs. You don't get, you don't get new ones. So if it's sitting there with the lipid nanoparticles, it doesn't matter if you're 5, 15, or 28 and trying to have a kid now. If if it's if it's toxic potentially to the fetus and to the reproductive system, that that's an entire two generations. That's insane. I, I, I each one of these things shocks the consciousness. But that's where we are today. But I got a couple other stories I did want to go over with you before we sew up today. So one item that's just a little bit off topic, but it actually it's on topic in many ways, but I wanted to make sure I didn't forget. Dr. Andy Bostom, um, he's a cardiologist. He sent this to me. Uh, he's really good at looking at the academic literature. And for the 2018-2019 flu, there is a study out um, from a couple years ago, researchers in British Columbia, Calgary, basically Canadian dudes. Um, this was the H3N2 epidemic, um, which we actually have H3N2 this year as well. But this was, you know, 2018 flu season was the worst really in a generation. And trying to think where I can't see where it's published. 
Uh, it's, it's a long title, Paradoxical Clad in Age-Specific Vaccine Effectiveness During the 2018-2019 Influenza Epidemic in Canada, Potential Imprint-Regulated Effect of Vaccine. And he found there negative interaction with naturally acquired immunity caused a more than fourfold increased risk for medically attended influenza illness for the vaxxed relative to the unvaxxed among 35 to 54 year olds. So this concept of negative efficacy is not new. Um, and and t- so, you know, I know we said, you know, you didn't have all the safety concerns with the flu vaccine. And I don't think it's that unsafe. It definitely always was understood to be pretty ineffective, but actually you see negative effectiveness. And this really jives well with what Dr. Dan Stock told us when he was on the show that this has always been known to be a problem with respiratory viruses. You cannot have a vaccine for respiratory viruses because it lends itself to original antigenic sin where your body responds to it improperly. So you're actually more vulnerable. Very, very interesting. And let's not forget one of the earliest studies done on COVID you know, at, at all was a DOD study that showed negative efficacy for the flu against flu vaccine against COVID. In other words, people seem to be more vul- vulnerable to COVID if they have the flu vaccine. So wanted to make sure we don't forget about that. Um, you know, one of the agenda items, if we do get over COVID alive, is to go back and see how far this rot has been with the other vaccines too. I mean, none of them were quite this bad, but uh, this is not the first time we've been lied to. And this is really the job of the states. And in terms of where we are in our politics right now, in terms of the legislative fights, in terms of what we should focus on, what type of candidates we should focus on for the primaries, I want you to take a listen to Governor DeSantis. This is a clip from him. He, he, this morning he gave the state of the state address. Uh, you know, this week in January or next week, this time of year, a lot of the governors give, you know, just like you have the State of the Union address given by the president at the end of January, usually this is the State of the State <coughs> address. Listen to this two minutes or so of Ron DeSantis and ask yourself who else talks like this. Take a listen. While so many around the country have consigned the people's rights to the graveyard, Florida has stood as freedom's vanguard. In Florida, we have protected the right of our citizens to earn a living, provided our businesses with the ability to prosper, fought back against unconstitutional federal mandates, and ensured our kids have the opportunity to thrive. Florida has become the escape hatch for those chafing under authoritarian, arbitrary, and seemingly never-ending mandates and restrictions. Even today, across the nation, we see students denied an education due to reckless, politically motivated school closures, workers denied employment due to heavy-handed mandates, and Americans denied freedoms due to a coercive biomedical apparatus. These unprecedented policies have been as ineffective as they have been destructive. They are grounded more in blind adherence to Faucian declarations than they are in the constitutional traditions that are the foundation of free nations. Florida is a free state. We reject the biomedical security state that curtails liberty, ruins livelihoods, and divides our society. And we will protect the rights of individuals to live their lives free from the yoke of restrictions and mandates. Florida has stood strong as the rock of freedom. And it is upon this rock that we must build Florida's future. Folks, he goes after the biomedical state, after Fauci, talks about fundamental rights. It's as illogical, as ineffective as it is destructive. He gets it all. He's the only one. Where is everyone? I heard uh, Doug Ducey, Doug Duncey, the Arizona Republican governor, uh, uh, earlier this week, State of the State Address. None of this. These guys don't know what time it is. How do we get more like this? And look, the Texas primary. It's it's in uh, less than two months is the first round. Um, 
you know, I haven't formally endorsed, but I do question. I don't see Alan West coming up with a specific sovereignty agenda like Don Huffines is. He's not even attacking Greg Abbott. He's just kind of there. I mean, I like Alan, but what what's going on there? You know, if, if he's the one to take on Abbott, he's got to step up his game. Um, it's very disappointing there, but whatever. We'll see what emerges from this uh, primary, but I, I just... It's hard to see. I think Allen has more name recognition and a little bit more star power, but in, ter- in terms of delivering the goods on the issues, I'm just not seeing it. We obviously have the Idaho governor's race, but what else? We should be having easily 20 governors like this. If we had that, we would have a different country. Different country. So again, we're going to be following in the coming days very carefully the happenings in the state legislature. Um, there is some more news in the military. We, I know we, we had a terrific show yesterday with Lieutenant Colonel Peter Chambers. Um, the military is going to hell in a handbasket. They're introducing into basic training, uh, critical race theory, all sorts of things like that, sexual harassment training. And then they're kicking the warriors out. We now have new data from because the courts made them put out this data they have taken exactly zero religious exemptions. They've accepted zero out of the thousands that have been submitted. This is what's become of our military. You know, folks, we need governors to stand up and form their own militias and take all the soldiers that are being kicked out of the main branches, put them in there. You know, one of the things I want to highlight in the coming days, there is an effort... There are some bills, there's a bill in Missouri to prohibit the National Guard from ever being deployed overseas unless it meets the constitutional criterion for the for being federalized. AKA there needs to be a congressionally declared war going on in that theater for them to be deployed. It's time for them to declare sovereignty over their guard. But again, that will take governors and gubernatorial candidates who understand what time it is. Nothing is going to come of Congress. Now, the real question is how we're going to do this within the Republican Party at all. But, you know, we got to deal with the hand we have for now. Um, Send me your ideas, comments, questions, concerns, dhorowitz at blazemedia.com or danielhorowitz at startmail.com. Again, we got some terrific guests coming up uh, tomorrow, Thursday, Um, We are always going to bring you the best information, the best ideas, the best strategies. That's why I'm in this. I'm not in this for my own fame, for my own name, to hear my voice. Um, I wish others would be as well, but that's why I need you to spread the word, send the show around, get others, your friends, hooked on it. Um, It's not the typical right versus left nonsense that you hear. Um, Just real information on the issues that matter and the way they matter. And we're going to keep getting better at it every day. Till tomorrow. God bless y'all. Stay safe, and thank you for listening.